0: never sleepers welcome back to another episode of ross never sleeps i'm your host alex ross be sure to check out NeverSleepsNetwork.com network.com every week bringing you brand new content monday to thursday we have a great rotation of podcasts being produced and released in toronto we'll even have a few tricks up our sleeves friday to sunday like this past friday to celebrate or to uncelebrate the president-elect's inauguration we had a Early release of Nick Beaton's This Is Not A Safe Space with a Trump supporter. Nick sits down with a Trump supporter and discusses the trials and tribulations of being a Trump supporter here in Canada. And, of course, this week, for those who need a good laugh, head down to Niagara-on-the-Lake for the Icebreakers Comedy Festival with your host, Jeff Paul from The Potato Files. That's January 26th to 28. For more information, go to icebreakerscomedy.com. And of course, this episode, this brand new episode of Ross Never Sleeps is with Dean Young, the podfather, who has opened the doors for NSN and other Toronto entrepreneurs, helping showcase the incredible art and talent in Toronto Dean's a comedian from Thunder Bay, Ontario. His roots as a touring comedian helps him curate and promote his brothers and sisters of the trade, just like his Cowboys and Indian tour with Scott Belford and Natish Sakuja, one of my favorites, taking over Western Canada with their first stop in Toronto's Comedy Bar, Dean, what can I say? I, I This guy's a brother. He is an incredible help and an incredible voice for the Toronto comedy scene. And Dean is working tirelessly to podcast. And he's helping Toronto's comedy boom become Canada's comedy boom. And we couldn't be more proud of him. And you can hear us kvetch on this incredible new episode of Ross Never Sleeps on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. people in thunder bay
1: have an accent oh yeah do they really yeah well they all they just sound like me mine gets even thicker if i go home for a couple of days come on what's the difference between uh toronto Southern just sounds Southern generic ontario accent so ontario is just like a generic it's like a california accent unless you're from like the valley or something i equate toronto to california i mean to la yeah
0: LA is this like metropolitan city where you need a car. There's so many aspects to the city in different parts that you have to get to by car. Yeah. Or transit. I mean, the funny thing is I I laugh because everyone says they drive in LA. But I
1: I rode the subway when I was, I rode like the streetcars. Oh yeah. When I was in LA. Well, it's the buses that everyone says not to do, but it's definitely a freeway town. Like Toronto is supposed to operate more like New York, right? Where you just take the transit everywhere, but we have a shit transit system. And it's just getting worse. Yeah, because it's built for like, you know, a million and a half, two million people in this city's blown up so much and it hasn't caught up. And it's yeah, a garbage. And they just argue about what they're going to do. Yeah. Especially where I like in the beaches, it's brutal because everything's streetcar, right? And they're never on time. Like, they're so sporadic. So it doesn't matter what time I'm leaving to go to like an audition or if I'm going over to chorus or something like it's never failed. I always like half the time I'll end up getting off the streetcar and walking or cabbing or something. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah, because it's not cheap every month. Toronto, you got to, like, do something to,
0: like, make people think that there's progress happening yeah. in transit. Because there's clearly not, and it feels like we're going backwards so much quicker than we're
1: going forward. Yeah. Like, give us some hope. Like, what What can they do? They're just kind of like, it is what it is, you know. Uh, and, but for some reason, it gets more expensive, but nothing changes. Now they're selling uh, merch, which made me laugh. TTC merch? Yeah. There's a TTC Shops. Oh, yeah. So they're like, like you could have like (laughs) a fun TTC hoodie and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, where's that money going? Yeah, I thought you meant like an online
0: thing yeah it is no you that can... too but i thought yeah. i mean like the only online like where are they going to put these shops like are people like going to throw their extremely overpriced token and then be like oh i want to buy a 20 dollar yeah. ttc
1: too exactly that doesn't
0: make sense who's so going to be proudly wearing that right and like the people who walk around like, yeah <laughs> it's kind of weird kind of like a segregation we have in our own town there's no real fear for for most people day to day in toronto like i mean yes there's always going to be issues in Major cities, when you have assholes, yeah. you know. But I mean, as far as like a division of people, you either love the TTC or you don't love the TTC. Yeah. So imagine like somebody walking around with a TTC toque and then you have a bunch of people like, like kind of like heckling
1: them yeah. for liking the TTC. Who are dead against it. A friend of mine said that. She was like, you know, it's such a well oiled machine. It's impressive that it gets all these people. So, like, when? When does it work? And how often are you using it? Yeah. Because, I mean, I live on the TTC, right? You're running around to shows and stuff. Like, I'm I'm always out every day.
0: There's a big difference between people that need the yeah. TTC and that just kind of occasionally use it. Yeah, exactly. People who occasionally use it, TTC is the best. If you're using it, like, off hours once in a while because you either don't need to walk or you can't walk or, or you don't need to drive, rather... TTC is like a novel idea. Like, oh, it's only three dollars and a quarter, and get me across the city. Yeah. You know, I don't have to pay for parking. I don't have to worry about my insurance payments right now. But if you're like somebody who's like, I wake up at eight a.m. to be at work by nine, and yeah. I spend a good chunk of my morning routine is stuck between a bunch of crappy people on the King Streetcar.
1: Oh yeah, it's brutal. Ugh, oh, I feel I feel you. I used to when I first moved here. I was commuting to Hamilton for like the first few months that I lived here. So I was on the go every day. And I used to hate that, right? I mean, I'd have to get up at like six in the morning or something and go do that. It was actually easier. Now that I look back, I'm not going back to Hamilton, but it was easier. You mentioned that you take the TTC to Chorus and yes. that's
0: for the Sandra Carusi show. Yeah. Am I saying her jokes. name right? Yeah.
1: Well, how did that get started? The how did Cruiser. You, yeah. How did you get connected to her? Well, I worked with her years ago. I used to be a copywriter for Chorus and I was in some stations in Hamilton and I was writing for here in Toronto. So Sandra who hosts that show was a sales rep for Chorus for years. I guess she still is, but she's doing, she started this show as a podcast and then because she was already there, at course, she just got AM 640 to like pick it up as a radio show. We just had the, f- the one-year anniversary of that show. And tell me about that show. Are you a producer on it? Yeah, I'm a producer. And then what we do is Sandra's the host, and I'm co-host with her. I guess like, we have a panel every week. So we usually have three in studio with us, and it's like comics, actors, producers, just people in Canadian showbiz and Canadian comedy and all sort of run the panel with them so i'm like the raws to sandra's frazier <laughs> even though the personalities are probably the opposite like sandra probably has more of a raws personality yeah yeah but she's that's pretty the cool role. yeah she's a bit of a, she's a hurricane Yeah. Hurricane Sandra, yeah. Those people I'm afraid of because you never want to get caught in their hurricane. Oh, man. And we, like, we have a good relationship. We have a pretty long friendship. So we can fight a little bit, like, if Sandra gets in a mood or something. But those are the people I like working with, too. If we're both strong willed,
0: right? That's just it. Strong willed and hurricane is is a crazy mix, though. If you're both and you're able to, you know, kind of cultivate it. Yeah. It's great, and if you, especially if it works in your favor, and people kind of get you're crazy, yeah, or not that you are crazy, your version of crazy, because anybody who's strong willed and has that kind of like burst through the door, I need everything kind of doing it my way, done my way. I I get that because I'm kind of like that, you know. I try not to rule too much with an iron fist. Yeah, I'm firm
1: i'm sometimes a little too firm well you need some of that though especially with people in comedy and radio people are like i love comics and as a fellow comic those are my people right that's my community but when you're doing the producing side of things comics can be the most horrible people to try and keep organized and wrangle them together right so you really do need to do some of that without naming any names (laughs) all of them
0: (laughs) Literally all of that, But them. like what it is, is it like 10 minutes before they're supposed to go on air? They're giving you a call being like, oh, I'm hungover.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like for us, because at Talk Hole, we're doing, we're weekends, right? We're in studio on Sundays all the time and we're usually like noon till nine. Those are our average studio days, right? So, oh yeah, on the weekends, it's always that. Like people are always in horrible shape. Even live shows and stuff, like just trying to juggle people's schedules and... Then they have guests, so it's all those schedules. So trying to keep all that stuff organized, it's like sometimes you'll get into a pattern where all you're doing is just like answering messages and juggling people's time around. With
0: Sandra's show, do you book that far in advance? Do you have to like worry about getting people, you know, do you always have a backup plan if something happens?
1: Yeah, I always, because what I do with that show is I tend to structure the the theme of the show around exactly who the panel is. So that's how I book it. So I'll always have sort of a go-to backup, like, okay, if I find out, like, this past week, like, Ron James can't make it, he got stuck out of town. So you kind of have a backup of who you want in there. But it's always to a theme. It's always to a specific theme and a topic on that. Do you sometimes lock yourself or you paint yourself into a corner? I don't find it tough only because, let's say we'll do a theme about... Like we did one a little while ago about sort of the new generation of TV producers and writers, right? Like people are getting stuff greenlit on like city TV and stuff like that. So we'll have that's like the theme of the episode. That's the theme that week. But it's a very free form, sort of loose, free flowing conversation from there. But what I do is I sort of, here's who I booked. Here's what I sort of curated for the panel and then I'll give Sandra, like, here's some talking points. Here's some Q&A we could do. Here's some topics I want to bring up at this point in the episode and stuff like that. And then we go from there. Does she come in cold? Well, sometimes. It depends what she has going on. But what I'll do is I'll send everybody sure. the layout for the show, you know, ideally a couple days before. Unless right. Somebody... And ideally they'll read it. Ideally they'll read it. But realistically, it's usually morning of show prep printed off and like who's in again and you know sure
0: no i mean then that's day-to-day things change you know topics will change people change that's good for you so you've you've always kind of been a producer were you like a comedian who was like okay guys i have
1: this ability to kind of herd cats because i am a cat i'm (laughs) a cat at least it's strange i think because i came from the radio side way before stand-up right like radio i i did right after school basically even though i went to film school i just for some reason ended up in radio mostly the producing i think yeah comes from that world because i was always doing that on the radio side so i think i just eventually brought that into comedy like you missed it i, I think it was more of a build your own thing like i was always hosting uh, like i've always been a host as a comic like 90% of my out of town work or my club work anything like that I'm usually hosting. I do a ton of hosting, right? Is that easier? Is that harder? I like it cuz a lot of comics a lot of comics find it more difficult. I like it because you're doing time off the top. So there's my good chunk of time I'm doing a long set off the top. And you're working on your crowd work, right? You're engaging with the crowd the entire time. To me, it's the best of both worlds. It's kind of like a middle set, like the length of a middle set plus crowd work. I mean, I love it. And I think it's organic for me because of coming from radio. And I think it's the same with producing, even though producing live shows is so much more stressful to me than producing radio or podcasts because you look at the numbers later. You just organize who your guests are, do do your post-production, whatever. You get the thing out there into the world, right? And then you see like, what are our ratings or what are our downloads and all that stuff. Whereas with a live show, there's nothing worse than that hour before the show. Where you're just pacing around the room, right? And looking like, okay, where, when are the seats filling up? And then they
0: fill up either five minutes before the yeah. show starts or they don't.
1: And I mean, uh, there's some shows where it's like, okay, whatever. I'm, you know, show up and go up open mic. That's fine. Like little workout rooms and stuff like that. But when you're producing a show where it's money at the door and, y- you know, you've been promoting this for a while and you're All relying on All the
0: time it, you put into it. Yeah.
1: I always hate that hour before the show where I'm just like, where is everyone? Where is everyone? Okay, it's filling up. That's all I can think about. I'm not even thinking about the stuff I'm going to go say on stage. It's funny. It's like all the
0: work that you've put into it, people don't really get it. Yeah. And then all you can do is hope that, you know, the stars align and that the weather's decent enough. People want to be out of the house. It's, yeah. Even if it's a mid week day, you're just like,
1: how do I get people here on a Tuesday, you know? And there's such an art to it, like to promoting some people just have a natural gift for it, too. like they're Or just, they're just talented enough that if they'll do a show, people will come see them. That's true, too, right? Not, I mean, yeah, not a lot of people get that draw. Like, you kind of miss the days when you first start doing stand-up because it's like a novelty to all of your friends, so they'll come out to everything. Because they're just like, oh, weird, this friend of mine from college, I'm going to go watch them eat it at an open mic. But and also, you're and
0: still in college, and you yeah. need things to do, and you drink, and then yeah. there's, you know, you're just the guy that adds entertainment to drinking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and now it's like, you know... Now you're still the guy that adds entertainment to drinking. uh, Yeah, I'm still doing that. But I'm like in my mid-30s now and all my friends are married and having kids and, you know, they stopped coming to comedy shows years ago because they're like, it's just your job now. We get it.
0: I, I personally go to a lot of comedy shows, which is why I'm so ingrained in the kind of community and it is a community and, and you totally, uh, yeah. and you especially are, you know, a reason that the community kind of exists, um, especially with podcasts and your network talk hole. But you really took the first foray into... Uh, Comedy Podcast Network in Toronto.
1: Yeah, and it was sort of, you know, I I feel like everybody is making steps and you included now, like everybody's making steps to sort of build this infrastructure here right because we want we want to see some of this talent stay here ideally right right I mean that's how I look at it it's like if we give kind of the big
0: broadcasters a reason to recognize the talent that's here if they're not going to be the ones that are going to incubate it you know I'd rather put my freelance efforts into incubating whether it's comedy whether it's stuff that we do outside of the comedy realm comic books just lifestyle pop culture stuff you know, it it really comes down to giving opportunities to our fellow peers, our colleagues. Call them what you will, our friends. Yeah, that you know, all of us work to make a living, and some of us like our jobs, and some of us don't like our jobs, and some of us have talents that, if they were recognized, say in L.A. or New York, yeah, you could maybe be working less at one job and more at another, or a combination of both. And that's the beauty of telecommunications and the futuristic approach to working from home or just working from abroad or or, or wherever gives more opportunity here and gives the broadcasters kind of, you know, Hey, if we can do it, if, if Dean at TalkHole can produce what you have like 30 shows, you know, what's stopping them from taking one of their, you know, middle connect Canada, provincial neighborhood i don't know i'm just saying like saskatchewan manitoba alberta like don't they have like some sort of like sensibility they'd be like hey toronto is like our new york for entertainment why aren't we funding the entertainment you know toronto funds the oil capitals of
1: canada why doesn't the oil capital of canada fund the entertainment capital and and that's a huge there's this we sort of formed this coalition and we're, we're in this i don't want to say debate but we're talking a lot with the government right now because you know as you know the arts council just did these new grants this new funding they've just put out 550 million dollars for the arts zero of which was allocated to comedy and they're actually not even recognizing comedy as an art form in canada which is insane on so many levels but my favorite part about it was the chair of the arts council was actually he actually came out and said you know now more than ever in today's political climate, like, you know, post-Trump being elected and everything that's, God knows, whatever's about to happen, he goes, now more than ever, we need the arts. But That's what comedy is right there. You well, know? Like, you know, we aren't satirizing with interpretive dance, which got some money, by the way. Well, I was going to say, can you just say you're doing interpretive dance <laughs> yeah. and then get money for it
0: and be like, just kidding, yeah. like,
1: we're comedians. It's so crazy, though, because, I mean, even if you set aside Canada's impact on comedy which is massive. I mean, you could go on all day, right? Like there wouldn't be a second city. There wouldn't be an SNL. There wouldn't be half of the bankable comedic movie stars of the last three decades or, or when whatever. they were bankable. Right. Exactly. We had a good chunk of them. And we, and have, we still do. We, and we still do. And and we have this nasty habit in Canada and, and I get it. It's because we, you know, we grew up next door to the States. We grew up next door to Hollywood, but we have this horrible habit in Canada where we don't claim our own talent until they've gone and made it world famous in the States, right? Like, we love we love to toss around names like Jim Carrey and Mike Myers. They aren't coming home, you know? They're Canadian because they're from here and they're born here. And maybe they started off doing stand-up in Ottawa 30 years ago, right? They aren't coming back. Someone needs to talk to those guys to, like, yeah. petition them to kind of enforce
0: kind of this canadian efforts that are coming in whether it's through america or back in canada like Obviously, Lauren Michaels and all these guys who are from Canada need to, like, kind of regroup and be like, why? I mean, obviously, it doesn't seem like it'd benefit them because they're all succeeding yeah. in the States. But, I mean, there must be a part of them. There must be tons of Canadians that are writing them or contacting them and being like, well, what about Canada? What about the place you came from? You know, if even if each of you gave a million dollars to
1: support Canadian arts well yeah exactly that's the other thing right like outside investors and angel investors we don't have that here sandra Battellini talks about that a lot like even here in toronto you you know looking out the window here of your studio right now all these new condos that are going up all the time that's money from foreign investors in the states in hollywood people are also investing in independent productions and i get it we don't have the same pool of audience here obviously right But look at back when Kids in the Hall was on the air, right? All that was was Lorne Michaels came back to his hometown and he plucked this sketch group out of the Toronto comedy scene and put them on TV and it blew up, right? It was a watershed. The Kids in the Hall is such a cult thing. They're probably responsible for our entire generation in Canadian comedy, really, right? I mean, that's what I grew up watching, that's for sure. So people who are household names to us in the comedy scene especially here in toronto right like the k trevs and the chris locks and the rebecca kohlers and blah blah you go on all day right sarah hennessy's those people who are household names to us as comics like the comics that we're like oh they're so good why doesn't everybody in the country know about them there's so much of that just here in this city alone never mind across the country right that's just untapped like so many people you wish that just every canadian knew about And then we could keep them here at home. And it's hard to do. And I mean, it's been the struggle since day one. But I feel like more of that is finally happening now because people are starting their own things, right? Like there's these indie clubs and there's like people like Barry Taylor and Tim Golden doing comedy records. Like there's all this independent stuff happening that's kind of forcing that gate open. And now I feel like maybe the broadcasters are starting to pay attention. And maybe I know we have the government paying attention now because they're finally answering us. But and we're paying attention because you and I have become fast friends
0: yeah. through this connection. Barry Taylor and I have become fast friends. I actually recorded a gig for him yesterday because he couldn't oh, yeah. make See? it. Yeah, it's funny how these things. But I look up to Barry, look up to you guys. You know what I mean? And I admire you because <clears throat> we're mostly because we're doing different things mm-hmm. which is good you know even if the three of us are doing audio formats we're doing completely different things yeah you have kind of like the fresh faces of comedy podcasts it's like a millennial thing that you know like a, you you nailed it man you're, you're you got the niche people are coming to you i have you know this kind of broad spectrum comedy plays a role with us but yeah. It's not our bread and butter. It's not everything to us. The thing is it's more of a community within itself. And then Barry's doing you know, he did Foise's recording oh, this yeah. week. Yeah. He's doing Sandra's in Miami next year or I know, January yeah. or whatever you want to say. Barry, you, me we embrace each other. You know what I mean? There's no animosity. And when, I, when I, even when I first met Barry, the nicest guy, he happens to be the nicest guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So he was just super sweet and I'm happy to lend him a hand. And, and obviously he'll, he would do the same, but it's just, we have to support each other.
1: Well, and it's such a small community and, and Barry and I, came up in, in radio together as well. Like we used to be at Y108 together. And I remember when Barry left before I did, cause he left because he wanted to do comedy records full time. Right. It had been around for maybe a year or so and it was picking up steam. And so he was like, well, I have to just see where this goes. And he left, but it's funny. You can never in this country, you can never burn those bridges too. That's one thing I always stress to people. Like everyone I've ever worked with in radio I'm working with again now because of comedy. Like it just, those worlds overlap so much and those people just always come back around and everybody remembers everything, you know? So you never you never burn those bridges because if we're building this whole industry and this whole community in Canada, these are the people who you're going to be working with, right? It's nice that you mentioned Barry had a goal. He's seeking
0: it out. Yeah. He's being successful. What was your goal when you left Y108? Were you like okay? I'm gonna just like Barry start a podcast network focusing on Canadian comedy. Well, was that, that your goal? If that wasn't your goal,
1: what was your goal, and how has that changed? Well, radio has always been sort of my first love. Even even when way back back when I was like starting out in film school and starting out in screenwriting and stuff, I always loved the medium of radio. Like I I I listened to a lot of old. Like, you know, the old studio radio, like old radio dramas and stuff where you'd have a room full of actors and just studio mics. And that was that was theater of the mind. Right. That's what everybody was tuning into. I always ate that stuff up, uh, especially as a screenwriter. But I always I always had this duality where there was comedy on one side and radio on the other. And I was always struggling for a way to sort of bring those worlds together, aside from just, hey, I'm being funny on the air. Right. Uh, So part of it was born out of just creating my own platform And also frustration with the radio business. I mean, I'm still in the radio business. I always liken it to being that kid at the pool party and everybody's jumping in the pool and you're like the kid on the side of the pool with the cast on your arm and you're like, but I could swim too. (laughs) It always drove me nuts in radio. I'm like, I've done all this stuff. Why don't I have this slot? Or why don't I have this gig? Why don't I have this show? So that's what originally did it for me. That's what made me start my podcast. I was just like... This is my avenue to do what I can't do in my radio life, right? And bring those things together.
0: What was your original vision? Were you thinking it's going to be my podcast? Maybe a couple friends that I'm working with or close with that are also comedians? Was it always going to be all comedy?
1: It was always going to be all comedy. um, And then it sort of branched off from there. At the beginning, it was just like me talking to comics that I really admired in comics that sort of gave me my start in standup. And again, I think the the underlying factor behind everything I've done is always just like, oh man, these people are great. I, I want to try and play some part in making sure that people out there actually know these names, right? But why Why don't people in Saskatchewan know who Christina Walkinshaw is? They should, you know, stuff like that. So that's what started it out. The network happened because uh, I was on a network a few years ago when I started my podcast called Pod Almighty and what that was it wasn't just comedy it was like everything like comedy lifestyle parenting and they operated out of this studio where Humble and Fred were they were somehow tied together with Humble and Fred so I started my show on there and I was originally going to take over that network and just rebrand it to comedy they shut down entirely so then I was like why don't We need like a full blown comedy podcast network in Canada. It was just a thing we didn't have, right? And it was sort of this thing that I was chewing on for a long time. And I was bouncing it off people at comedy shows and stuff like that. I was like, I think I'm going to do this. And everybody knew my radio background and everybody knew that I had this podcast for a, a while at that point. And eventually I was just like, what's stopping me from doing this, really? I have the studio, I have the shows I can sort of launch it with i think we, we had six shows when we started so i just thought take my background in radio right and every element of it like being on air being a copywriter working closely with the sales side of things so for sponsors and stuff like that i just thought why not just float it out there and see what happens right what is your end goal now my end goal now honestly is i i just want to cultivate a listening audience across canada i mean i'm not I'm not an insane person. I know we're not going to be like just for laughs or yuck yucks or anything like that, right? I know we're not going to be some massive... But just for us to be our own sort of homegrown version of like a Canadian earwolf for a Canadian nerdist, right? Again, where we if we could get people in Halifax and Regina and Vancouver tuning into these shows and checking out a Jordan Foisy album when it comes out, stuff like that, and just knowing who some of these comics are the comics who stay here at home especially that's that's all i want to do and i'm like you success doesn't necessarily look like a paycheck it's- god no <laughs> yeah well i mean
0: yeah it's not like we expect one either but yeah. we're trying to make this resourceful we're trying to yeah. to get sponsors to use some of their resources to fund us locally so yeah. they can build a local audience or local sponsorship, you know, loyalty or, or, you know, some sort of connection to the pop
1: culture in their own city. Yeah. That's how I see it. And it can only grow from there. Yeah. What always attracted me about podcasting because of coming from radio and and, and from comedy, but radio especially, podcasting is a return to what radio used to be way, 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 way back then, like the old stuff that I used to love. Because now when you're on the radio, and I mean, I'm, you know, I do terrestrial radio and I do serious. When you're on the air now, though, you're on the air for like two, three minutes at a time. And half of that is back sell the song that just played, sell the song that's coming up next, throw out a commercial break, tell people the weather, tell people the traffic. Like it's so segmented and watered down. I still love it. But you're not on the air like you used to be, right? Like hosts on the air, DJs on the air, they were picking their own music. They were building their own show that hour or three hours or four hours of airtime was that person's show. It was their brand. It was their identity. That's what a podcast is. You take that hour or however long your show is, right? And you completely make it your own and there's no blockades up against that. And I think sponsors want to work with it as a new medium because they want to be associated with the cool, right? Like it's like a hip, fun, relatively new thing and they know that there's a specific audience for it. So they're not really interfering with it too much because they just want to jump on and be a part of it. Whereas with radio, radio gets broadcast based on who the advertiser is now. That's really how it goes. You know, it's... But ultimately, if an advertiser came to you and said, Dean... Yeah.
0: We give you a paycheck. Yeah. If you take, you know, rude dudes yeah. and make it about uh, the sponsored product, which is something you masturbate with, <laughs> yeah. what would you say? well it's
1: that's a good example actually because just for the record yeah let's 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 get them the listeners a little bit more sponsored by fleshlight the canned vagina the
0: canned
1: (laughs) vagina which i think that's what they should have called it i've yet to hear it called that one all i want from fleshlight really because i you know we have a good relationship with them i just want like one prototype model that's like the talk hole mouth instead of the vagina hey right or just give one away at parties or something get one for yeah a, get a whole set i mean of everybody in my family is getting a flashlight this christmas oh, God. mom too yeah yeah the whole family there's of, gotta be a, a, a other uses for it well this is thunder Bay, so they'll be using them for beer cozy yeah I guess. instantly right how did you my even mom get, could put her wine in there. How did you even get connected to Fleshlight? Uh, a few years ago when I was doing shows at uh, North by Northeast, when they were they had a b- brief couple-year run here in Toronto where they were incorporating uh, comedy as I part know, of their I programming. I Eric
0: Andre one year. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, and Matt they, O'Brien, Eric Andre, yeah. same stage, pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it was great. And they only did it, I think, two years in a row. But it was so much fun because, yeah, they were – putting on all this stuff at comedy bar i had the when i was doing the late show at comedy bar that was part of it one year but flashlight was sponsoring a bunch of north by especially the comedy programming at that time uh and all the comics were like getting free flashlights and stuff it was a whole thing right i feel like they give
0: away more than they sell
1: oh they get they send me cases of these it's hilarious and we give them out at like tinder tales and the rude dudes shows and all kinds of stuff but basically i just reached out to them not even for for money. It was just like, hey, these would be fun to keep giving away at live shows, and and they were they were just completely on board. They just wanted to try out working with a podcast here in Canada, because I'm sure they do it in the states. They they seem to be pretty media savvy. They aren't afraid to just because they're not giving us a fortune. They're for us. It's a for, just because it keeps us afloat in for certain shows and stuff. But you know, they're 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 not afraid to just try this stuff out, have faith in an idea and stuff like that. Outside of financial
0: and product-based kind of sponsorship or or a paycheck, if you will, you know, what have you felt that the podcast
1: network TalkHole has basically provided you in success? It's definitely become my foothold in Canadian comedy, my identity. Like, when you first start out doing stand-up, you know, you just go out there and you grind, grind, grind because you're just trying to get better and you're trying to generate material and you're trying to figure out what the heck your voice is on stage and stuff like that. And then after a while, when you realize, okay, this is something I'm actually pursuing... Then you have to f- decide, what's my role going to be in comedy? What am I going after here? I do, Am I trying to showcase for Yucks and get on their roster? Am I going to be an independent? Am I going to be a road comic? Whatever, right? You have to find what your avenue is. And I sort of always had this thing going on where I was like, okay, I think I'm a pretty good comic and I was booking more and more stuff and then I had radio over here. For me, TalkHole has become my calling card and just, yeah, my, my identity in, in comedy for sure. That's, you know, now I'm the pod father everywhere I go. Well, I'm also, unless it's Matt O'Brien, then I'm the legend. He still calls me the legend because of my legend tattoo. But it just became my identity in comedy, you know? Everybody has their thing that they're known for, and that's just... Dean's that guy. He does that. It's like if Barry Taylor goes to a show, yep, comedy record's Barry, you know? And that's a great example because... It's open doors
0: for you, which essentially, if you call yourself a freelancer, whether it's a writer, comedy, yeah, you know, stand up, whatever, yeah, being the father is gonna put you front of the line quicker than most people who aren't selling themselves
1: on a regular basis. You're selling yourself on a daily basis, and you know what? It's funny. Like this was my first year being freelance, like leaving the the office gig, the nine to five. You know, I did that for stand-up reasons and so that I could pursue more of this radio stuff just so that I didn't have to turn anything down, right? It it was always tough being in an office for nine hours a day and I'd get an audition, come up and be like, I can't go to that one or maybe I can. And it it was really tough to, to schedule that stuff in. So this was my first year being completely freelance, which is always sort of a rite of passage for comics. Like I've been to so many shows over the years where, I've watched such and such comic go up on stage and announce it and be like, just left my job. <laughs> Six years, just left my job. That's this is so my true. job now. Right. And everybody there is just like, loves I love it. that. And I remember I had that moment. I was like, wow, this I always dreamed of this day. But oh, man, did I ever not realize how much work it actually is? Right. Because you have to like i'm constantly whether i'm at home writing or i'm out on stage or i'm out an audition or i'm just trying to schedule the radio show or the do the stuff for Talkhole or whatever a million things right do do weird side jobs and stuff i've worked harder in this past year than i think i ever have in my life like last night at time of recording last night i was at at spirits they had the the wake for joanna downey And I was there and all these like 10 different comics came up to me. Comics I see all the time, by the way, although to be fair, I was wearing all black. But all these comics were coming up to me. They're like, are you all right? Are you all right? You look very gaunt. And I'm like, yes. What What are you talking about? They're like, are you sick? And I'm like, no, I'm just like, I just don't really sleep that much. I'm just constantly like I'm running around the city doing stuff all the time. Right. And you also factor in everything that comes your way. I had a club night at a at a club out of town that got uh, rescheduled and two monthly shows all in this month that got pushed back into the new year. And that was part of my overall budget for the month, right? I was like, okay, I'm making X amount off these shows in December. This goes into that. Da, da, da. So that's all stuff that you really figure out the hard way it ends and flows you know don't realize how much anxiety freelancers have because you don't yeah (laughs) right (laughs) do we just hit a a note there (laughs) it's good yeah and i don't even like i have no one to answer to i have cats i have a roommate so i have to pay my rent and stuff like that but i mean i don't you know i'm not married i don't have any kids i'm not no one's dependent on me other than cats i couldn't do this if i had dependents no god i mean and it's so funny because sometimes it's just like all this stuff is coming in. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm going to go celebrate. And then other times it's just like, oh, this is this is a scary week. Yeah. Or you know,
0: you're trying your darndest to balance and juggle the week. And then whatever random things fall on your lap on top of that. And then yeah. you have to, you know, and
1: then you also just want to, like, not do anything some days. Yeah. And it's it's so funny. I remember. uh I forget. Some friend of mine was just like, oh, so what's your job now? You're just going to lay around on the beach all summer and do nothing. But you no, you can't. You can't like if you have a full time job, if you have like a nine to five job. You have two set days a week where you're just like, if I literally just want to sleep, that's what I'm going to do.
0: We're trying to build a network here. We're trying to be niche. We're trying to be a part of a big city. We're trying to work hard at it. Yeah. We're trying to understand so many other people's livelihoods, including our own. Mm-hmm. Like, I I work the way I work. So that's why this freelance gig works for me. Yeah, I would sometimes give it up for a, I don't know, quote-unquote cushy, because I don't think any job is cushy, but man, if I could just have a night or two where I just can shut it down, like shut it down. Yeah. Like, I can only really shut it down if I'm traveling, and even then, I'm seven
1: hours behind our head, whatever, I'm always like, I got to check what's going on. That is, in fact, I think my favorite thing about the holidays, about Christmas and stuff, Is that is the one time a year where you can actually like this Christmas. I mean, I'm doing a couple of club shows when I go home because I always have to do that wherever I go. But other than that, I'm shutting down for a couple of days because I know that other comics and other radio people will, too. That's the only reason why, because comics seem to have this idea now that I'm like just going to answer them 24-7. And I perpetuate that, too, because I usually do. Like, oh, they I'm just, just I, can guilty. access me 24-7, yeah, right? Guilty. Like, I'll wake up, roll over to the side of the bed, and, like, it's 3 in the morning, and I say, oh, somebody messaged me about this. I'll answer them right then before I go back to sleep. So, it's like I've sort of dug myself into that hole. You know what's funny, too? We, like, talking about starting, starting these networks and, and freelancing and all that. Everybody loves to hate on millennials, but that generation has figured out how to be entrepreneurs. Telecommunications. Yeah, like so many of them are just running startups. Or like YouTube channels. Yeah, it's insane. Like there's so much self-employment there. I, I guess because of what they grew up with, right? Like, Well, I, guess, I think it's just the market share.
0: It's like how many times a week do you hear that there's no jobs for anybody? So they have yeah. to come up with something. Yeah. And I admire that there's no jobs in the sense that it's, causing people to be like oh yeah maybe i could do this by myself you know and i and i kind of like that part of it like obviously it sucks when you can't personally find a job and we've all been there and part of why we did this is because it's like i'm tired of working for other people i'd rather make way less money and have my own anxiety about my own projects than worry about the persons whose ass i've been kissing Mm -hmm. at a big broadcaster who doesn't give a fuck about me or you know and nor should they because at the end of the day they deserve to shut off too when they leave even though most of them can none of us can i think that's also part of it right like when i worked in broadcasting even when i worked for companies that kind of were in this nine to five bubble or i was doing sales or you know you're going to dinners or you're going to you know hockey games or whatever yeah. you know yeah you, you and you always have to be on yeah that's the thing it's not about what work you're doing over time all these fun events you may be at it's the fact that you're on at all of them i would just love to be go- doing all that and just be like a fly on the wall. Yeah, and I never never get to be and not to say that's not my personality obviously i want to walk into rooms i want to engage but there's always those days and i think it comes once a week i've actually started be like giving myself like a day off midweek to kind of oh just, that's a good yeah, yeah just to kind of just like regroup you know run errands and then the weekends are are also a good time for me to kind of regroup but like because of all the different shows and schedules you're
1: just kind of fitting people in where they can fit yeah which which is tough too because then you're like you know you don't want to just rush through anything and not give something the attention it deserves i do love that about being here in in this city especially it's i look at sort of this whole network of people that you become friends with and and just people you work with it's like yes more money would be great because money is terrifying you know it's like i have debt and stuff like that from when i launched the network and from just life things you know like house and all that stuff but then i look at what my average day looks like and it's like oh this is great like i'm running around with you i'm with right? you i'm working that. with like friends of mine are actually comics that i grew up watching on tv then i'm hanging out with all these pr people because they need something from me and it's like okay i've if i were to not be here tomorrow if i were to pack up and just leave the city people would actually know who were some of the
0: milestone people you know when you had them in the studio either as someone you were interviewing Mm -hmm. or that you were working with when did you get those kind of like fuzzy feelings like i'm on the right track i'm doing the right things
1: in the studio yeah once once we started having guests in our new studio when i had ron ron james on for forever young originally uh, when scott thompson came and did rude dudes i mean scott's great because you just see him out at stuff all the time in toronto and he's very interactive with everybody mike mcdonald just these people that as a canadian and canadian comedy these are the people that you grew up as a kid watching right because all we had was like kids in the hall sctv and the just for laughs specials at 8 p.m right that were all those same people so now when i get people like that like yeah people like mike mcdonald like yeah Glenn you had Foster mike mcdonald and- yeah, and even like working doing club work with them and stuff or like getting them involved in this um coalition that we have now like yeah, it's been great just to work with these people that you just grew up watching and have people like that reach out to you and be like, "Hey, can I come and do this?" and that's been that's been crazy. What's your sure.
0: advice to anybody starting up their own kind of vision, their their own kind of company?
1: Uh their own company in general? I mean, people are pro- probably better at the business side of things i'm sure because that's always a learning experience for me i come from content and you know as a writer and a host and a a comic like i come from the content side of things but part of this whole podcast network is all these weird new worlds like e-commerce and startups and tech companies and online ventures and all this like i go to all these weird mixers and stuff and and seminars that like innovation centers where you're talking to people from those worlds so for anybody starting up their own thing they'll probably they'll probably have more of a business sense than i do but i just think focus on anything that you're passionate about that you don't get any other avenue to explore that like radio although i love it wasn't letting me do what i wanted to do on the air so that's why this happened. You know, it was kind of like poking a hole in the thing to let out some of the pressure. That's all it was. And that spilled over and there was talk hole. I would just say explore whatever it is that you're passionate about and don't feel like you currently have an outlet for. And what's the advice you give to somebody that's in the middle of that process
0: and they're feeling like, oh man, what do I do? This is not going where I wanted it to go or I'm not seeing the
1: result, the instant results that I thought I'd be getting. I think don't be scared to share it with people. Uh, You know, I think it's an, it's very easy and it's a very quick tendency to just be like, it's not ready yet. I can't show it to people. You're always going to be self-critical. First of all, if you're in the middle of the process or you've, or you've at least been at it for a little while take that and put it out into the world because you're not going to get the investment that you need or the attention that you need, if you just keep it to yourself and keep tinkering with it and going. I'm too scared to show it to people now. Now, now I take this thing, even though, like for sure, there's imperfections with. Obviously, it's a just never-ending passion project. It's an experiment, right? And now I just put it out everywhere because it's like, well, first off, I need that support. I need that funding. I need the growth to keep happening. But who knows what doors that's going to open up, right? You might have somebody that will help promote it, or you might have somebody that will mentor you, or you might have somebody that wants to share it with a bunch of people, and then you have a a bigger following. Like, it's never keep it to yourself. Good advice. Right? Put it out there. Right? That's it. Because we're all going to sit there and go, I don't know. It's imperfect. No, you, you created it for a reason. It's like when comics are on shows that they don't plug. Like, I, showing up to an open mic, fine. But if you're on, like, a show that you were booked on, regardless of how big or small it is, share it around. That's what I don't get. It's like, if you cared enough to go do the thing, then you can't be not proud of it in some way. Like, just put it out there. I think that goes without saying, for anybody that's been
0: on a podcast or runs a podcast or, yeah. you know, runs a show or does stand up, share it all, man. Yeah. Like, just put it out there because... Why go out of your way to be there and to, to help the person by being there, by, but it's almost like not completing the full swing?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, why did you start it in the first place if you didn't want to, you know? People are afraid. Yeah. People are, people are afraid of being judged. And I, and I get it. Like, mm-hmm.
0: I, I, at the same time, it's like I agree with you wholeheartedly. And there's like been so many people that I get it. You're busy yeah you know or you, you maybe it's just something you don't want to do and that's fine yeah but like why would you put the f like some effort in but not all the
1: effort that's i think that was a good lesson that just doing comedy had taught me was not to dwell on failures that's for sure because every night you go out on stage could be your best set ever could be your worst set ever you could have killed last night and then you're gonna go just eat shit for whatever reason on this night you can't dwell on that for too long you just have to be like oh fuck What can I learn from that? Go home, go to sleep, and go do the next one. Same with successes. Like, let's say you get a big uh, TV taping or a festival or whatever. Five seconds after that wraps, it's just another thing that's going to go in brackets beside your name and your bio, and that's it. That money's going to be gone once it's spent, and then that's it. And it's just another credit, and you have to find the next thing. I just think everybody, especially friends...
0: Yeah. Like your friends' stuff. Support your friends' stuff. Just... They're wanting you to support them just as much as we want to support you. Mm -hmm. And it really comes down to that. It's just like, you'd be surprised how much
1: knowing that you're noticing us helps us mentally. Plus, it's Canada. It's nothing but fertile land. We still have not figured out how to, yes, we don't have 300 million people like the States does, but we do have 35 million people who, for the most part, know that none of us exist. So we have nothing but opportunity here because we're still trying to break down that wall. So also, there's going to be a lot to to have exposure to once we do that. Any and all support
0: helps. Absolutely. Don't yeah. complain that there's shitey stuff on television. That's all the same kind of cookie cutter. You know, like the re-release of New of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like, are we that? Like I get it, niche, great show. The market kills it. I'm sure friends did it, Frazier did it, whoever did it. That's yeah. the thing, though. But I don't like that. That's the thing. I know. You know, like I, I would love to see my favorite band come and do an album, like an old album, yeah. front to back. I like that novelty once in a while. But I really just want to see new stuff. If I'm really into you, yeah. Like, I, like how my, Even if I love, you know, my my favorite band is the Bare Naked Ladies. Okay. Like, I can listen to the old stuff until my face is blue and you crave it, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, okay, I've listened to all this. I want something new to be excited about and I'm going to support yeah. the shit out of it in hopes that they're going to keep doing that or it's only going to be inevitable where they stop doing that yeah. and I'm going to stop liking what's the only stuff that's available.
1: Yeah. And I think that was another thing that that taught me. In in life, is just you have to embrace change. I used to be so resistant to change. And now it's, like, I, that's 900% of all the stuff. It's just, like, constantly changing and evolving. And that's the that's the culture we live in now, too. That's the way people consume stuff, you know? This hit show on Netflix in July that was, like, the biggest thing in the world, at like, Stranger Things, let's say, right? That was the biggest thing in the world, and that's all anybody was talking about, and it took over the planet, and then... Now, if you were to go up to somebody and be like, Stranger Things was great, eh? They'd be like, what? That's forever ago. I, <laughs> or like about- when, I love when people are like,
0: my favorite new show is Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're like, dude, it, it was already everybody's favorite show after the fact, after the fact. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like you're, you're,
1: you're, late, you're even too late for that. It's true. And I mean, you know, it's kind of like we consume content now the way that we used to just consume internet porn, which is just like when you want it, when you're in the mood for it, it's like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> and then when you're done with it, it's just like delete your search history. I'm yes. done with you. So I insightful. Want right. <laughs> Dean Young. I, that's the flashlight coming up to the surface. That's
0: right. Literally. Um, Put it, put it away. Uh, <laughs> the thing about Stranger Things, though, even though it has crazy funding and like big budget, yeah, it's still luck. It's still a lot to do with like timing. Sure. And that's why I think what we're doing is almost in the same kind of idea yeah. or ideal. We are in a market that this is lacking. So we're going to keep doing it. And the, the more we work at it, the more chances we have for it to be successful. You know, the, we have, I think, luck, whether you're like a pop star, a popular movie or an album or everything a lot has to do with timing you know like the beatles success very small bracket of years if you look at it but it's the timing it's the evolution it's like all the stars that need to align you know you you've dropped some crazy names mike mcdonald scott thompson like i i I dream for those people to to be interested in coming onto any of our stuff but the real thing that's happening is that you're building opportunities for yourself yeah. for your 30 shows, which are great. I, I really do like rude dudes. You know, I think you are you're, rude. And, and there's not enough of that kind of over the top explicit stuff, you yeah. know, like I admire what you're doing. You're so much more insightful than people will ever think we are, <laughs> you know. We 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 see so much
1: deeper into this than people see. And I think it's just like yeah, yeah, of course it's a and I, man, I really appreciate all that. And it yeah, of course it's a labor of love and and you know, it's struggle for survival and a struggle to keep loving it sometimes. And to keep loving it, yeah, to not let the stress or the pressures outweigh why you're doing it in the first place. But I also feel like it's a good It's a good calling card too, you know, like now I'll, uh, like I share talk hole with people in terrestrial radio all the time, even though the slogan is like radio, but awesome. I mean, oops, but I share it with people in radio all the time as a sort of like a, it's like when you go to an ad agency for writing work or something, they want to see your portfolio, you know, it's like, here's my portfolio. We created this thing. And how
0: many people in terrestrial radio are doing podcasts now? They're,
1: yeah, 50-50 at least. Yeah. If not more. What they're doing is they're taking the radio shows and, yeah, putting them up and on iTunes after. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So, you know, radio is always going to exist. Mm-hmm. Cars are always going to exist. Yeah. So, you know, how do we become more mainstream? Well, maybe we don't become more mainstream, but we figure out the lacking markets that are niche in Toronto and which we're doing. I feel like that is what we're doing. You know, especially when you consider our age and who our connections are, we're not I mean, on average, I'm not dealing with anybody in their baby boomer years. You know what I mean? It's not like, like, I feel like it's a millennial. We're almost building things for the future. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you have this ability to kind of bring in fresh talent and all these new, and like, you know, go to Humber college, let's say, and and, who are doing comedy programs and podcast and broadcasting and all this stuff so it's it's weird we're in this still we're in this like gray area you know like i think there's a reason why the three names that i can think of when it comes to this kind of medium in toronto is dean is barry i would like to think i'm up there yeah for sure my point is We need to stop sounding like grumpy old men because really we're so motivated. We're motivated by our kind of angst, by our like a love and affection for our mediums, each other, what we're doing for other people, because I ultimately am not doing this for myself. I'm doing this so I can support a community that essentially pays for my well-being. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is not... I don't see this as like, and I don't, especially don't see it with you. You know, you are a face and I'm a face of what we do. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, we're curators of art.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's about putting these people out there that, that we just want more people to know about. It is funny actually mentioning the, the, the students and that, that age range too. I keep on getting all these, these emails this past year or so from broadcasting students everywhere. Just being like, do you need an intern, or do I have to write this paper? Can we? And I'm like, wow, they're finding this thing. That's that's great. That's wonderful. And, and that's just proof
0: that if we're being contacted you know, for these people to basically fill their resume with yeah. experience and we're able to provide their experience. We're also that's another like bout of achievement, in my opinion, like having people that are reaching out to us and be like, I want to do a show. I want to help you do shows. Yeah, I have to do internship hours. How do I do them with your network? And I'm just like, wow, like it's it's interesting to know that you're getting contacted and and it, it's good. You're helping so many more than just the comics and all these people. And, and I admire you for what you're doing. Yeah. And you're almost like a competition to us, but you're not. It's almost like a playful thing. It's fun. Yeah. It makes us both be better and on our game more. And also understand when you're having a fucking bad week, like I get it, (laughs) you know?
1: Yeah. Everybody usually knows when I am anyways, but uh, no, it's, it's true. And you know what's crazy to think of too? Like after, like coming from radio, you could have the best radio show. Let's say on a Monday, you could have the best radio show. That would just be live and happen once and then it was gone forever. That's so weird to think about now because now it all gets potted afterwards or it streams and it's it exists somewhere physically forever now, right? It's like a book. But before it used to just be like, wow, that was a great hour of radio that will n- never happen again. And it makes sense
0: because if you look, it's kind of retroactively, but TV is the same way like TiVo and like yeah. DVR, like who watches live TV anymore? Exactly. But it happens live. And then it's recorded and then yeah. you can, so that's where radio gets it from and yeah. it's a natural progression, but yeah, it'd be great. Podcasts were more popular because that is exactly what we're
1: doing. It's archiving. Arch- yeah. Markets. Archiving is so important. So important. You know, that's the stuff that's, that's our mirror that we reflect on our culture with. And that's the stuff that people will go and watch and listen to later on. That's what you're leaving behind. That's your footprint. That's so important. I used to treat comedy like that when I first started and, I would write a specific set literally for every single show I was doing. Wow. Yeah, which is insane. That's insane to think about now. I would go, I would do that set... And they'd be like, that was it. That was for that was only for me to do at The Starving Artist on Thursday, June 12th. And that's it forever. Like, I look at these old notebooks and I'm just like, what the hell <laughs> yeah. was I doing? What yeah. was I doing? How was I going to hone anything, you know? It's true. We're like documentarians, you yeah. know? Like, it's, it's so important.
0: We're, we're, we're audio documentary makers.
1: Yeah, there we go. That's a nicer way to put it. I yeah. feel like we get some of that Ken Burns money. <laughs> that's the beauty of it. These things aren't supposed to be, you know polished and scrubbed before they go out like yeah we've had all kinds of stuff that you could hear i mean ours even in the studio the studios in parkdale we, you could hear sirens sometimes oh i love it air show when the air shows in town. It's toronto yeah what more could you ask for that's just toronto what more could you ask exactly. for exactly yeah dean plug your stuff oh you can catch me at well for sure check out talkhole at talkhole.co talkhole.co i put all my live stand-up shows up on there too but of course you can check out all of our podcasts follow us at talkhole pod on twitter and uh yeah just make sure go to Talkhole because like if you want to posts right if you want to see me do stand-up you can find that on there anyways but talkhole is what we really need you to go to good luck on all your endeavors thanks man i
0: admire you I, i'm glad we're in this together me too i'll come back to your studio anytime Uh, we need to do more panel stuff instead of just us two grumpy old men
1: i know well we should do like a me you barry danny oh god yeah that'd be amazing even just for me and you just for us to like feel good about walking like (laughs) a complaint hour uh, and then never release it it would i want to know what uh, especially barry i want to know what bothers barry yeah because he never lets you know the show what bothers barry yeah all right, Never Sleepers. Thank
0: you for tuning in to another episode of Ross Never Sleeps, only on neversleepsnetwork.com. Thank you to my guest, Dean Young. Catch him on terrestrial radio. Catch him on TalkHole. Catch him all over the city and all over Canada and in Thunder Bay because he <laughs> visits there. as his hometown. Thank you, Dean, for coming Thanks, in. Thanks, man. Never Sleepers, sleep tight.